got married, so uh, pretty awesome. Um, we're going to start, and we'll read the passage, and then we'll dive in. So if you have your uh, Bibles out or, you know, phones on, we're going to be in Romans chapter 11, be reading starting verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true, they were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Let me pray. Father, we read your word as just that. It's it's your word. It's you speaking to us. Um, These aren't like other words that we read in books. Um, God, we we ask this morning as we dive into these, these words that you've given us that you would help us to understand, help us to apply them in our lives. Help us to see you more clearly through them because we know that that is why you gave them to us. And we thank you, Father, because the fact that you communicate to us tells us that you love us and you want us to know you. We pray that we would grow in that this morning. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. So, probably a fairly confusing passage of Scripture. And, and if you haven't been walking with us through um, chapter 11 and, and, frankly, the rest of, of Romans, it might seem a little jumpy. It might seem like we just kind of started at 60 miles an hour and we're just going, right? So, so don't worry. We're going to go back through that. We're going to piece through these different pieces. Um, and, and what we've seen, right, is that Paul is... Paul is um, through the entirety, the entire book of Romans, right, he is creating unity between two groups of people. He's creating unity between the Jews, the is- Israel, and the Gentiles, everybody that's not Jewish, not from Israel, right? And what, what he unveils in chapter 1 and 2 and 3, right, is, is that, like, everybody needs God. I mean, like, that's it, right? Like, that's, that's the summary, and we're going to get a, a restatement of that in Romans chapter 12. And and so it's this constant bringing together, this uniting of peoples. And, and as he does this, he's, 
in chapters 9 through 11 in particular, he's showing us God's sovereignty, that God had this plan and God's executing this plan, and, and we can take comfort in knowing that God's plan has been and will be fulfilled. And, and as he communicates that to us, what do, we, what do we develop in our understanding is a better understanding of who God is, right? It, if somebody's able to execute the plan that they, that they created humanity with and executed, then clearly God is sovereign, right? God is loving, and we've walked through this. He's just. And so we get these little glimpses into the nature of God. Um, what we read this week, right? So you should have read Romans chapter 11, verses 7 through 16 this week. Um, and again, I'm not going to go back on that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. So we're going to continue back and forth. Um, but if you noticed, there's something really interesting in there. And, and I hope that you had an opportunity in your small groups to talk about it. But, but God says that... Um, that us, Gentiles, right, like he went to us, Israel rejected the Messiah, and that, that part of our role as being believers is to make Israel jealous, which is a really interesting, if you, if you kind of dig into that and go, what's going on here? I thought jealousy was a bad thing, right? So I, I would encourage you to go back and unwrap that, unpack that a little bit in your families, and your groups, or whatever, like, because that's a really important piece. Because what God is saying is that Israel's rejection of the Messiah was not a surprise to him. In fact, he used Israel's rejection of the Messiah to bring the gospel to us. And so, so there's this beautiful thing that we're, and we talk about this often, right? Like, we don't, we don't pursue sin, theoretically. We don't pursue rebellion. And yet, what does God do with our sin and rebellion? He conforms it. He uses it to grow us, to produce good fruit, right? Like, like he uses it. He doesn't want us to do that, right? But, but he's able to use it. And that, that alone is amazing, right? If, if you've ever, I'll just, since I'm on the, the um, you guys are all like on the edge of your seat now. You're like, John's going to say something he wasn't planning on saying. Um, and that's true. Um, but like if you, if you mess up something in like carpentry or whatever, right, it's, you can't say that was the plan. <laughs> you just try to fix it as best you can, right? Um, you just, you're like, well, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Well, maybe nobody will notice. Melissa's uh, solution often is you just put a plant in front of it. It's always a re really reassuring, you know, confidence builder. Um, Right? But there's just different things that you do, and you try to figure out how to solve it. But that's not how God works. God, God isn't sitting here going like, well, let me, let me try to figure out how to solve it. No, no, it was part of the plan. It was all part of the plan. Um, that doesn't mean that he wants the sin and rebellion, okay? So this is where you got to kind of, right? Because we could go down this path and go like, well, I could just do whatever I want, and God will just make it all work out. No. That's not, and in fact, we're going to see that this morning. That's not the case. And so what we read in Romans 11, 11, Paul says, So I ask then, did they stumble in order that they might fall? And, and if you, the, that word in order is really so that. So it kind of changes the, the dynamic there. So, so I ask, did they stumble in order, like was God making them stumble so that they would fall away from him? No, no, no. Right? Like they stumbled because of their own their own rebellion. 
And he says, by no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. And so we, we read that. And man, I would just encourage you to like, go back, unpack that, figure out. like Because it's, it's a beautiful thing to understand that piece of God's character. So, so he's unpacking this. And so now what we're going to see is, is he's going to kind of dwell on this Israel and Gentiles thing. And I, I know we've been spending a little bit of time on this, right? And you guys might be like, I feel like we should move on. But, but we're not because this is what God's word, right? And, and he didn't move on and therefore we're not moving on, right? So this whole analogy this morning, this, this huge metaphor is an olive tree. And so we should have a picture of an olive tree up there, I think. All right. That is... I think that's the right one. That is one of the oldest olive trees, okay? Um, I think the oldest one is in Lebanon, um, and they, they think it's somewhere like three to 4,000 years old, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think, I think they even think that there's some that, that might be upwards of like 6,000 years old, right? And so, so there's this, this is the metaphor he's using. So we got to wrap our brains around this, right? I think of olive trees when I was in my neighborhood when I was growing up, and they're, they're messy as all get out, right? Like, they are not something you want unless you're, like, making olive oil. Um, all right, go to the next uh, picture, would you? So this is, like, the root of this thing. That's massive, right? This is, and this is just what's above the surface, right? The root of an olive tree is like this. I mean, there, if you go Google it, there's some, like, really cool pictures where you just see this, like, it's just messy, but it's, but it's all part of it, right? It's all this, like massive structure. And then, and then part of that is the branches, right? If you go to the next slide. And so you, then you've got all these just crazy branches. I mean, it's not very, like, if you're an arborist, right? It's not very, like, proper, you know? Like, you have the main, main vertical, and then you have, like, the other ones, right? It's not this beautiful, like, what your kids draw. It's all over the place. And there's all these branches, and they're all reaching out. They're all supported by the root, and so Paul is going to spend this time, and I want you to just, we're just going to leave this up here for a little bit, because he's going to spend this entire section of scripture, and he's going to say, this is God's plan. This tree, this olive tree, this massive root structure is there. God put it there. Now let's talk about what branches are part of it and what branches are not part of it. And so this is what he's going to walk through. He's going to talk about like, like some of these branches are going to be cut off because of unbelief. And we as, and, and those are the branches that are, that are part of the tree organically, right? Like they came up from that tree, and that's Israel, and that's what he's saying. He's like, and we can go into a bunch of it, but in general people kind of think like the metaphor is that the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, are the roots of the tree, and that's debated, but you know, whatever the metaphor is, right? The idea is still like, this is Israel. Israel was the beginning of this thing. And here's this tree. But Israel wasn't the end state. The end state was including all of us. And so what does God do? Like, these branches are cut off because of unbelief. And what does he do? He goes and he grabs these wild olive shoots, right? These random tiny little saplings that are growing in different places. And he cuts them and he grafts them onto that. And that's us as Gentiles. And he grafts them on there because of belief, faith. The wild olive shoots don't work their way up onto this tree. They're never going to be a part of that tree unless God does something. And it's God's grace. 
And we are part of that tree by faith. And so as we unpack this this morning, this is the picture that he wants. This is a sovereign tree. This is a sovereign plan of God. And so the, the, the wishy-washiness of our own lives and understandings and faith and struggles and all of that stuff, that's still there. And it's not moving. And the question for us is, are we a part of the tree? The question for you, are you a part of the tree? Because that, that's eternal life. And this is the metaphor that God gives us this morning. Let me read for you. Romans 11, 17 and 18. He says, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. The root supports us. God supports us. Like, we have this weird individualistic mindset. We don't think of ourselves as one tree. We think of ourselves as beautiful trees along a forest of salvation. And you're you, and I'm me, and we all have different things and benefits and all, you know. That's not how God describes this. We are one tree. He talks about us being one body. He talked, right? Like, there's a unity, a beautiful picture of unity in this. And so we got to understand this. Like, get your American individualistic, I can Uber Eats and I can get groceries delivered to my house. I can check out without talking to a human being microwave, right? Like, like that whole structure where you don't actually need anybody else. It's not real. It's not real. I mean, you can live that way, but that's not what God has for you. He has a community. He has people. He has other branches. He, he is bringing you into the community. He's adopted, right? Like, we can use all of these Churchy words, right? He's adopted us, right? Like, like this is what he, how he sees us. But it's not how we see ourselves often. And so I think that's a challenge for us. And, and I just, I just want to lay that out there because I think when we, when we start hearing these things, we go, I got mine. I got what I need. That's not how God sees it. All right, so what's he talking about here? He says that these branches were broken off. He says that the tree, the root supports you. You see, there was a danger that, the, that these wild olive shoots got put onto this tree and they go, this tree is so much better now that I'm here. <laughs> and there's this, there's this arrogance that, that Paul was very concerned that the Gentiles would have. Why? Well, because it seemed in that day, right, there were the Jews who pretty much ridiculed and uh, divorced themselves from uh, any of the affairs of the Gentiles, and so they were God's people, and, and, and the Gentiles were not. Well, now the Messiah came. Jesus came, and then, he, and, and then he died, and he rose again, and the Jews didn't believe in him, largely, and the Gentiles did. 
And the Gentiles were like, what now? <laughs> we're the chosen people. And now, and now it's like the shoe, this is like the, your kids fighting, right? It's like the shoe's on the other foot now. And it's like, well, then we don't, the Jews just missed it. They missed their chance. And so we, we're special now. And so what Paul is cautioning is don't do that. Don't go down this path of arrogance. You, God's grace grabbed you, a wild olive shoot, and plucked you into this massive tree. And if you ever, if you ever bought an orange tree, a citrus tree at Ace or Lowe's or whatever, you'll, you'll look at the root, and it's like usually like that big around, and then it drops down to about that big. That's because it was grafted on. You don't grow citrus trees very much from like seed. They, they have good stock already, and they grab another one, and they plop it on it, and then they tape it up, and I don't, it's magic. I, I don't know how the rest of it works, but that's grafting, okay? And so that's what God does to us. He grafts, sorry, I didn't do that research. He grafts us, he grafts us onto this tree. You didn't do it. And I'm going to say this multiple times throughout this, because this is Paul's emphasis in here. There are some hard words that we're going to get to at the, at the end of these verses, right? Like, kind of scary words, like, don't talk back, fear God, right? So we're going to get there, but this, this is where it starts. It's like, you didn't put yourself there. God put you there by his grace. And, and so Paul is concerned that the Gentiles are going to fall into the same trap that the Jews fell into, this, like, this air of, I deserve to be a part of this tree. Turn back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 9. This is John the Baptist, and he's talking to the Pharisees as he's out baptizing. Chapter 3, verse 9. John says, And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Now, this, that's, that's how the Jews thought. Like, no, no, no. We're ethnic Israel. We're chosen. We're God's chosen people. I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need to worry about anything. Solid. And we, as Gentiles, may go, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I got baptized, confessed Jesus as my Savior a while back. I'm good. Careful. Careful. You may not be good. And that's, and that's the point, right? There's no arrogance there. You can't sit there and say, well, I know. I, 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 I've done these things, or I do these things, and we'll get more into that. But, but like, man, there's a real tough caution here. God grafted you onto this tree. The root supports you. Just think through that. God is the one that supports you. You know, it, it's also worthy to note, and this is, and you can, this is a hotly debated uh, topic on like end times and Israel and what's going to happen to Israel. And honestly, like I think this is a, this, I, we're going to take a, a, a quick sidestep here. Some of you in here may disagree with me, but, um, and that's okay. Um, what he doesn't say here is that we're going to get rid of this olive tree and we're going to start with a new olive tree. He doesn't say that. And, and to, to expand on that, the church did not replace 
Israel. Okay? I mean, I'm going <laughs> to... Frankly, I hadn't done a lot of research on this. I hadn't spent a lot of time on this, and so I, I had to as I was preparing for this stuff. So the church did not replace Israel. Everybody needs Jesus. Okay? So not all Israel is Israel. Right? We read that in Romans chapter 9. And so you have Israel, the, the ones that believe in Jesus, like that's proper Israel. And so there's this, there's this salvation, right, that comes to those who believe. And, and then it goes greater than just Israel. It's not just Israel that's part of this tree. It's all of humanity is capable or able to be a part and grafted onto this tree because God's word goes to the ends of the earth. And so there's this thought that Israel is no more. And, 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 and they're done, and now it's just the church, and, and that's it. And, um, and there's a lot of different theories as to what happens with Israel, and there's some people that believe that uh, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be this mass conversion of Israel. I don't, I don't know. I know why, they, why some people believe that. There's some verses that seem to support something like that, so that could be the case. Um, but suffice it to say, just because you are Jewish does not mean that you are going to be saved does not mean this because these verses that we're going to read here are pretty clear as to what drives your salvation, what drives you being a part of the tree, and that's Jesus Christ. That's belief in God, that your righteousness comes from God, not from yourself. If you want to dig in more on that, just Google, does the church replace Israel? And you'll get a few websites, and, and by all means, you can, you can submit a question, and I can dig in a little bit more there, but that's not... It's not the primary focus of, of today's sermon. All right, the second piece here is that we're included based on faith. This is what he says, right? We, we kind of dove through some of this. We don't earn our way onto this olive tree. It's faith. It's, fa it's belief that our righteousness comes from God. That's it. It's not, I believe that what I read in the history books about Jesus is right. Not that. There's, there's a lot of people that aren't followers of Christ that believe that Jesus existed. In fact, I think you'd, you'd, you'd have to be fairly insane to believe he didn't exist. There's the faith that we're talking about here is not believing in facts, it's not intellectual, it's trusting in God for your righteousness. What makes you right with God? the question. And so this is what he says. Look at, look at what it says in verse 19 and 20. We're not going to go to 21 yet, Janelle. Sorry, I forgot to make those changes. Um, Romans chapter 11, verse 19. It says, then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. You see, there's, there was kind of this mindset, like, well, so there's the olive tree. In order, if you're going to graft some of these wild olive shoots in, you've got you to make some room. And that's what God's doing. So he's just walking through, doing some pruning, and cutting off branches just willy-nilly because God can do whatever he wants, and he's just unjust, and so he's just cutting off some of, the, some of Israel and so he can bring in some of the Gentiles. No, that's not what Paul says. He says they were cut off. Why? Because of their unbelief. They, sure, they were part of the tree because they were ethnic Israel. But what keeps them in the tree? 
belief. Belief, faith, trust in God. That's the whole point. And he says, and you were brought into the tree because of what? Belief, faith, trust in God. Like, that's the whole point. And so he says that that whole tree, the end state of this thing, is going to have Jews and Gentiles, all sorts of people from every tribe and nation on this planet. But they will all have one thing in common. They will all be trusting in Jesus Christ for their righteousness. They will all be trusting in Jesus to take away their sins. That's what everybody in that tree will have. Okay, So there's no, there's no, loop, there, there, there's no loopholes, shortcuts. There's no ways around that. And we've seen this throughout Romans, right? Like when we've unpacked where we get our righteousness from, when we, how we've unpacked, or well, how God's revealed to us in Romans, like how this works, what grace looks like, and what faith, like there is no other way. So why Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not because we're, we've got some privileged thing and we're, we're just want to be exclusionary. No. There is no other means by which God will declare you righteous. There is nothing you can do. You cannot get rid of your sins. And you cannot be good enough. Like, it's amazing. But here's the thing. We constantly think we can and we do and we try. That's our sinful desire. That's, That's what our lives are. That's the conflict we all face. We know the truth. Hopefully, if you're a follower of Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit, you know the truth. Living out that truth and not letting these works-based things slip in can be very difficult. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7. Because here's the tough part, is these things do slip in. Very easily, we find ourselves living a works-based faith. We do. We start to trick ourselves. Look at what uh, Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay. I I could roll with that. Good. And he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Okay, well, I haven't done a lot of those things. Have you? I mean, these, are, these are people that are doing some incredible things in the name of Jesus. You guys with me here? They're prophesying. They're casting out demons. It says that they're doing mighty works in Jesus' name. Jesus does not say that they didn't do anything. I think this is where we kind of we, we kind of mess with this a little bit. Jesus doesn't say you sat on your couch all day and didn't do anything. No, no, no. These people did things. Maybe more than what we do, but they did things. But what does he say? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Ugh. What was their motivation? You see, that's the difference. It's not what they did. Casting out demons, mighty works, prophesying in Jesus' name, great, awesome. But why? But why are you doing it? You see, why you're doing it 
communicates your motivation. It communicates where your faith is. Right? Like, we could do, two, like, person A and person B could do the exact same things, and one can be done in faith, and one can be done in lawlessness. Right? I could stand up here and preach, and I could be a worker of lawlessness. With me on that? I could even read from the Bible. And by God's grace, you would still hear God's words, right? Which is pretty amazing, again, of our sovereign God. But I could be a train wreck, right? Because I could be doing it for prestige and honor. I could be, have all sorts of different motivations as to why I'm preaching God's word. And you could be the same, right? Why do we serve and where we serve? Why are there people back in pre-K right now and K through fifth and, and what, you know, clicking the slides for me and, and right in the band? Like, why are you serving? Is it a, a checkbox? Is it something that you have to do to be a part of the tree? Or heads up, you're going to get swacked. Is that Why? You see, we can be workers of lawlessness and still be in church. And so this is what he cautions us. What's our motivation? What's our motivation? You should be staying in the tree because of your belief, because of your trust in God. See, that's the difference. Our motivation, we bear fruit... Not because we want people to know we bear fruit. We bear fruit because we are reconciled to God and we're about his purposes. We want God to be glorified. We want him to be seen more clearly. We want his purposes achieved in this world. We want to see humanity rescued. That's reconciled, right? That's us being about our father's business. That's what God wants us. That's why he tells us that we're ambassadors for Christ. That's why he calls us to go and make disciples. We ought to be doing the things that God is doing. That's the right motivation. The wrong motivation is anything less. Anything. And that's super convicting to me. And I hope that's convicting to you guys. Because it's not like you're just on one side or on the other. This constantly sits. Seeps, that's the word I was looking for, constantly seeps into our lives. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, 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 why am I doing what I'm doing? And if you're not asking that, in whatever function you're serving or in, in whatever, whatever you're doing in, in your life, job, family, relationships, school, why are you doing what you're doing? So that takes us to our next point, that there is a threat of complacency. You see, this arrogance gives birth to complacency, and this is what Paul is cautioning us. That's why he's using this metaphor, okay? Go back to this metaphor. This, this tree is what he wants us to visualize. And there's a threat of complacency in our lives. Look at what he says in verses 21 and 22. So I messed this one up, Janelle, so I don't know if you can go back to 21. Thank you. Um, Romans eleven twenty one. it says, For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, 
but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Does that scare you? Let me, let me propose something here. I think those words scare us more when we believe and think that we've worked our way onto the tree. Hold with me here. If you know that you're a wild olive shoot way over here and God went by and grabbed it and stuck it in and grafted it in, I'm in. <laughs> right? Like, God did this. I didn't do this. And I, I, and I, and I believe that he did this. And I believe that, that he gives me my righteousness and he's taken my sins from me, right? On the other hand, if I think I however a wild olive shoot would move, slither its way up and pluck itself into the, the roots. It's ridiculous, but that's how we think. Then we go, well, if I got myself here, I can get myself out. That's the danger. That's the problem. Somebody submitted a question this last week, and I didn't get a chance to answer it. And it, and it was like, well, how does, how does this work? If, if, God, if God saves some of us and doesn't save some of us, how is that fair? I'll answer that. It'll be sometime between this next week and next Sunday sermon, because, because we're going to get more into it, because this is what he's talking about here. He's like, do you see what God did? God did this. So what does it look like then to be considering? Paul says, note then, note. <laughs> I, I love it, right? Because like, that's a very, like Paul is definitely teaching here. He's like, note, I want you to take note of this. God is kind and he is severe. There's no middle ground here. There's no, there's no room for lukewarm. It's either you are part of the tree in faith or you are cut off from the tree without faith. That's it. So if there's something that we ought to be consuming our time with, it's faith. It's not, did I do enough good things that God likes me now? It's not, I live a pretty good life. People like me. I'm sure God does too. <laughs> I see the smarts and the laughing, but like that's what we think. If other people like me, God must like me. Is that? And for the people in here that nobody likes, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> right? Like, and so there's no room for complacency. And by complacency, I mean, like, like this doesn't mean that we should be on our toes waiting for God to like try to swing in like a, a, a saw at us. We're not afraid of God because we live in the tree in faith. But we should be concerned if our faith is superficial, if our faith is fake, or if we've redefined faith to say, well, I go to church on Sunday mornings and I serve and I give. That's faith, isn't it? I wouldn't do those things if I didn't. You see, we like having one foot in both worlds. 
You like doing the little Sunday thing? Have some, have some Christian friends? And, but we don't want to like come over here because <laughs> that's no fun. And so we want to be able to dip over here. And so, and, and, and we've talked about why we get distracted, right? We've talked about why we like going into this other world. There's, there's things that it provides for us. Successes and failures, worth, all these different things. But, but God's the real source of those things. And, and God goes, do you trust me? Because I'll provide you with all of those things, but you need to come over here. And so we cannot be complacent in our faith. If you're wrestling right now with, do I really believe, that's a good thing. And here, here's my point. You should be able to settle it before you leave here. This isn't something you've got to go dissect. Where does your righteousness come from? Why does God love you? Why are you going to go to heaven? Is it because you think you're good enough? Or is it because of Jesus? You see, that's the difference. And there's no middle ground. God is kind. He puts you there. But he's also severe. And if we don't continue in his kindness, if we don't continue in faith, like Israel, like, man, they thought they were good. And we are so much like Israel right now. They thought they were good. They're like, we got everything. I don't know. We're going through the things. We're doing the sacrifices. We're going to the temple. We're doing our things. And the Messiah comes, and they're like, that's not him. And God's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Could it be, like if Jesus came back, I think I've said this before, if Jesus came back, would we recognize him? <laughs> I mean, we should. In faith, we will. but he probably won't look like what we expect him to look like. And that was the problem with the Jews. They thought their Messiah was going to look a lot different. They thought he was going to be a king. They thought he was going to conquer. They thought they had these pictures of what he was going to look like. And when Jesus didn't fit that mold, they missed it because they weren't trusting in God. They were trusting in their own understanding. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul reinforces this. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I said this last week. God isn't fickle. He isn't this puppeteer. He isn't just like playing around and trying to see what, what we do, making us dance and whatever. Like That's not what's going on here. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Man, we probably need to do that a bit more. Because we start to live in this arrogant, complacent life. And we think, I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing what everybody else is doing that calls himself a Christian. And I'm sure I'm fine. I think complacency is probably the defining characteristic of the modern church. 
what are we doing about this? Why are we not as passionate, right? Like God comes down as a human and suffers and dies for us. He's pretty passionate for us, I think we could say. And, and where is our passion? It's, it's, it's every other direction. And God goes, don't be complacent. Be about my purposes. Go. Make disciples. Be excited. On, uh, in a week and a half, we're going to watch a, we're going to do a movie here. And Melissa and I started watching it last night a little bit. And it, it's called the Testament, the parables re, or Testament, the parables retold. It's like a modern day, um, like the disciples, um, right after Jesus has risen. But it's all modern day, so it's, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. And so like people are like running around like doing it was it's as if it was happening now. And my immediate response is like I don't know if like it's easier when you cloak it in like a desert in the Middle East. And you're like, yeah, that's back then, and they're wearing different garb. It's, it's a lot different when it's like, no, like this is like in the city, and, and they're drinking a cup of coffee, and, and things are happening, right? And they're like, the temple guards are coming in to kill us because we're taking communion. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it really just kind of gives you this kind of real sense of like, and I, I hope that's what this movie does when we watch it, because like, 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 the disciples weren't playing around with this. They didn't, they weren't complacent. They, they knew who Jesus was. They saw what happened. Like, they were spreading the good news because their eternity and the eternity of those around them was at stake. What? How often are we thinking about eternity? It's so, it's so convicting and so ridiculous that we get so caught up in the day-to-day doldrums of life and just trying to mow our way through. And God's sitting here going, I've got eternity on the table here. You want a, you want a piece of it now? Because you can enjoy it, right? The, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, like all those things. Like You have pieces of that. You, have, you experience a little bit of eternity now. This is what he has for us. And then the full eternity, obviously, in eternity. And we're like, yeah, but on Monday I've got this thing. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do you believe? Have you placed your trust in God for your righteousness? That's the question. That's the question. But then... Paul doesn't leave it there. He says it's never too late for us. And this is the beautiful part, right? And this is, this is also why belief and faith is such an incredible thing. It's, it's anti-work, right? Like, and it's, I don't want to say it's anti-intellectual, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to believe. You don't have to have all of the dots connected. You have to trust that Jesus is your only means of receiving righteousness and the only way to remove your sins. That's what you have to believe. That's, that's it. That's why it's the good news, because there's nothing you have to do. God isn't going to go back and go through and look at your attendance record at church. He isn't going to go back and look at these different things and how many people have you served, and, and not, right? Like, that's not it. 
It's based on faith. And, and so he says it's never too late. Look at what he says in Romans lost my page, uh, 11, 22, 23. He says, and even they, meaning the, the Jews that had been cut off, right, because of their unbelief, even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. What a beautiful, this, is, this goes back to the remnant stuff that I talked about last week, right? Like God hasn't abandoned them. And verse 24, for if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to your nature, right? Like you're in this wild olive tree thing. You're not, you're not even part of this massive root system of this, this original olive tree. But God grafted you into this contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? So we're going we're to look at this in two, in two ways. One, from an Israel perspective. The Jews are cut off for unbelief, like individually, right? If they don't believe in the Messiah, they're cut off. They're not part of the tree. If they believe in the Messiah, they're part of the tree. Like, that's it, right? Like, it's based on belief. But it's only if they continue in unbelief. Like, they could be saved as well. So Israel isn't, isn't rejected completely, right? God has preserved a remnant. We talked about that last Sunday. But look at it more from our perspective, too. And this is what Paul's doing. He's like, look at this from Israel, but apply this to you. If God's able to graft you into this tree, certainly he can graft them back in. So what's it based off of? Belief. That's it. It's never too late. So if you're sitting in here and you're thinking, well, I've done all these things, I've lived this life, you know, I've made my bed. What am I going to do now? Believe. <laughs> Believe. Place your trust in Christ. There's, there's, no, there's no historical record of, of rights and wrongs that God's looking at to evaluate whether you, get, uh, part, whether you become part of the tree. It is based on faith and faith alone. We, do we get this? Because this is why we call this the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Because right now, you could be sitting here going, I don't know Christ. I'm not even entirely sure that I believe in this. I go, okay, awesome. Well, we can have a theological discussion about what your plan is with your sin and how you're going to get, become righteous and God is going to see you as righteous. I think that the only way is through, script, through uh, Jesus Christ. And I think that's what scripture teaches and I would love to have that conversation with you because it's super clear. But if you're sitting in here going, yeah, I, I did, but then I stopped and, and you know, I, I turned away from, from God and he's, he's never going to, like, that's it. I rejected him once and now I'm done. That's not what he says. Very clearly, he says, if they continue in their unbelief, yeah. But if they believe, they can be grafted back in. That's a beautiful promise, isn't it? But what that doesn't give us is an argument for complacency, <laughs> right? Because we don't know that we have a tomorrow. And so if you're in here today and you're like, man, I, you know, I don't know, I don't, it, it could not be any simpler of a plan of salvation from our perspective. God goes, believe. Questions? <laughs> and we do this mental gymnastics to work all the way around to figure out if we're good enough and, and if we've done enough and all this. And he goes, 
So do you believe? Be careful. It's so easy for us to fall into these works-based faith where we think we've earned our way in to this truth. It's not what God has for us. And so as Paul expands and communicates all this, it matters what you believe. And it matters that you are spending your time looking at your motivations for what you do. And that's for all of us. And we should, and we should be checking ourselves. And we should be checking each other. Because you, you can see it in, your, in people's eyes, right? When you're like, Dude, I don't feel like your motivation is good right now. I feel like you're just kind of doing the thing because you're doing the thing. Stop. And, and I'll even open this up. If you're serving in the church and, and you feel like you're just serving, stop. Please, come find, find an elder or myself, one of us, and say, I need to stop. God will provide. I'm not concerned about that. But the worst thing that can happen is that you're just driving, trying to, I'm, I, if I just keep serving in this capacity, if I keep doing this, God's going to be pleased with me, and I've got to keep doing this, I've got to hang on. No, stop. Stop doing what you're doing. I don't care what role you're in here, what you do, stop it. Because that's not what God has for you right now. You need to get right with him and make sure that your faith is what is driving your salvation and not you.